Thanks, Dane. Good morning to everybody. Great to be together today and be able to come together in fellowship and also as we study God's word, bring him glory. A couple of things before I get started this morning, have a card that I just wanted to read quickly. And this is from Stacy Stambaugh and it reflects what we try to be here at Sunny Slope, the family of God, as we also strive to fill that identity as the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. But she says, dear Sunny Slope family, thank you, so, thank you for the many prayers, cards, texts, and calls. I'm so grateful for this wonderful, loving family of God. You all mean so much to me. Love in Christ, Stacy. And uh, let's continue to be praying for Stacy along as she continues to deal with health issues and physical issues. We want to remember her in our prayers. Also, guys, somebody lost a wedding ring. It looks like a man's ring. Uh, so it'll be right up here. Your wife might like it if you find that and put it back on. <laughs> it's great to be here this evening, or this morning, it really is. Now, I want to say also, this evening, I've been doing a series since we got back into our Sunday evening services uh, about a year ago. I've been doing video work and everything and, and trying to help us to uh, be stronger in our faith. And so kind of gone through all of those, those videos that I have uh, intended to be through and, and talking about the Genesis flood and also talking about creation versus evolution and helping us to build, build our faith in God and have confidence in what God's word says. So this evening, I'm going to start going back into a more regular format of, of, of teaching God's word. So hope you can uh, be with us Sunday evenings at six o'clock as we come back together to worship and study God's word. This morning, I want us to talk about something that's very basic for us as Christians. When we think about how we face life each day and what we go through. There is not a single day in which we do not need to remember ourselves personally and also be encouraged to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in the Lord. Now we face a whole lot of challenges, difficulties, conflicts on a daily basis basically. I know some days are easier than others along those lines. Some days we say, well, it's pretty smooth today. It's really a great day. Well, every day I think we ought to think of is a great day. I, I just tried to discipline myself many years ago. I get up in the morning and, and when I'm sitting down with my breakfast, I thank God for a beautiful day. It might be raining cats and dogs outside. It might have snowed eight inches overnight. It might look dreary as far as the, the clouds covers is concerned, but to me, that's still a great day. And I thank God for a beautiful day, blessing me to be able to be here one more day and serve him and live my life with my wife and, and the people I love here at Sunny Slope. But we need to remember how can we face every day with a positive mindset and get through that day feeling like this has been a good day. We need to be strong in the Lord. We face ongoing physical, relational, financial, and most important of all, spiritual challenges every day throughout our life. Now, I know that some people say, you know, I'm, I'm, I really don't have many health issues. I, I'm, I'm not handicapped physically in any way. Give yourself a few years, you'll start getting there in some, to some degree, you know. But the fact is, we, we do get faced with physical challenges and so on health issues, and if it's not us, it may be a loved one or someone we really care about. 
Now, those kinds of, of situations, they can try our faith in and of themselves because they do kind of really stress us from whatever direction they're coming from. But in addition to that, the devil is very skillful to use these natural life challenges to purposefully attack our faith and trust in God. Why would God let you suffer like that? Why would God let that happen to that little child who just was just diagnosed with cancer? Why would God let your, your father or your mother, who is only 50-some years old, get killed in that car accident? You know, it, the devil's skillful at, at trying to, to work on our minds, work on our faith, and challenge our faith and trust in God. Well, Paul learned the most dependable, consistent source of, source of strength in all circumstances, no matter what they are, whether they're physical, whether they're health-wise, or somebody's challenging, and the devil's using somebody to challenge our faith in God. Paul learned. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. And you know, sometimes, probably we ought to remember, I need to read that, those three verses over and over again. Because Paul's speaking from real life experience. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so the ultimate bottom line, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be assured that the Lord is the source of strength and courage that will sustain us in the face of all that, that, that we have to, have to face every day. All of those conflicts, all of those challenges, all of those stresses. When somebody challenges our faith in God, we need to remember, I, I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm not going to let that person break me down. I'm not going to let that person somehow diminish my strength and my faith and my trust in God. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. We, get a, we wake up one morning and we're feeling really sick or maybe we've injured ourselves in some way. We've fallen. We've hurt our leg. Maybe we're going to have to go and have knee surgery or back surgery. Those are common surgeries anymore. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm going to face that with faith in God that he's going to see me through. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There is no power in, in and of this world that begins to compare with the power of God. Now, we could think of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 where the apostle Paul said, that God is exceedingly abundantly capable of doing anything beyond what we imagine even, let alone speak or think. And I'm paraphrasing there, but that, that's, that's what, the word, what, the, what the verse is saying. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. With that kind of power behind us and basically working through us, I can face whatever challenges life throws at me. I can even face with confidence, not in and of my own ability and strength, but because I know that God is there with me and he will take care of me. I can face whatever the devil throws at me. I don't have to 
have a kind of a defeatist mindset. I can do it, not because of me. I can do it because of God. I can be strong in the Lord. Now, the devil is depicted as our gravest of all enemies. I know a lot's going on right now in other parts of the world, and I know that there's almost continually conflict somewhere, in in fact, probably a, a number of places around the globe. We just don't hear about it all the time. And I know that there are are real challenges from a freedom and a strength kind of perspective with would-be enemies, if not already outright enemies, in other parts of the world, challenging us. And we feel that need to be able to stand strong. But the devil is behind all evil. And I'm not sure everybody understands that. I'm not sure even some of us who might voice that really understand that wherever there is evil, the devil's behind that. And so if he can work through government leaders in some nations to guide them to get into conflict or to threaten other people in other nations, the devil's behind that. And then it comes down to an individual basis. If if somebody's challenging us, if somebody's trying to hurt us or do something wrong against, well, the devil's behind that. He's described by Peter as as, as our, our, our adversary, one who stands against us literally. The devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants our spiritual and eternal destruction. Now, his most recognized method of attack is temptation to lead us into sin. And so John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15, that we need to have our eyes open, we need to beware, we need to be focused. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that really, we need to stop and think about that and digest it and process it. What John is saying If our main focus in life, if our main love in life, what really gives us fulfillment is the ways of this world, John says, the love of the Father is not in you. Not to the extent it should be, at least. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those are all basic avenues of temptation that the devil works through to try to lead us into sin, thereby away from God and to our eternal destruction. He wants to devour us, remember. All of those avenues of of temptation, they're not of the Father, but they're of the world. The world throws those things at us continually through all kinds of different avenues and directions. But remember, who's behind evil? The devil. The devil. And then John finally says, this world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And there's our hope. There's our focus. There's the direction that our life always needs to be guided in. Look at how the devil is depicted in in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. And I I understand, I believe this is talking about kind of the prehistory of mankind upon this earth. but, But it's still... That is a depiction, that is an identification of the devil that we need to take to heart because he's not a cute little guy about four feet tall 
with some little horns sticking up and a long pointed tail and carrying a little pitchfork around and, and kind of, you know, oh, maybe mischievous, but not really that dangerous. No, he's that roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour, looking for our, for our soul's destructions. And so the great dragon he's described as was cast out. That serpent of old, and I think that is probably, almost certainly, a depiction or an identification of him that, that ought to send our minds back to the garden where how he presented himself to Eve as he tempted her to disobey God and then go into sin. So the great dragon was cast out. Cast out of where? Heaven. That, great, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He is real. Don't ever let anybody just kind of brush him aside in your mind and convince you that's just not really real. There's really no devil yet. Look at all the evil around us. That is evidence of the devil, that he is real. He is there. The sin that he seeks to lure us into is an avenue toward what he wants to accomplish in leading us to eternal death or eternal condemnation in hell. In Revelation 5 and verse 12, notice the connection between sin, a sinful life, and I'm not talking about making a mistake here and there, and recognizing it, repenting of it, and asking God's forgiveness, and then trying to do better moving forward. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of disobedience to God. And so, Romans 5 and verse 12, therefore, just as through one man, and that would go back to Adam is what that's being referred to, in that particular verse of scripture, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Hmm. Well, Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but God does not leave us hopeless. He sent his son. We just remembered his son being sent to this world and dying on that cross as the perfect one time for all time sacrifice, Hebrews 7 and verse 27, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. The wages of sin is death, but what a great insert in that verse of scripture. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't have to die in sin. We don't have to end our existence in eternal condemnation. God has made the way for us if we will open our eyes and believe in him and believe in Jesus to come to him through our Lord as we obey the gospel, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ and being baptized for the remission of our sins. God has made the way for us to have eternal life, to be able to look forward to it with confidence. James chapter 1, beginning with verse 13, James also addresses this reality that the devil is out there, our gravest enemy, trying to lead us to eternal condemnation. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, we need to stop and think now. By my own desires, every one of us has certain temptations to which we are especially vulnerable or weak 
or susceptible. And the devil knows all of those. Now, yours are probably different than mine, or at least some of mine and some of yours, and probably different from other people you know, but all of us have one or two or three. And the devil knows how to hammer us incessantly in those particular areas of temptation to try to lead us into sin, to try to break us down and become unfaithful to God and thereby sinful. So each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, now look at this kind of birthing and development kind of, of imagery here as he goes on. Then when desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we're warned what the devil is about, what he's trying to do. And thereby being warned, we need to remember, I need to stay fat. I need to stay, stay strong in the Lord. I need to stay strong in the Lord because he is my defense against all that the devil's trying to do to me and ultimately lead me into. Now, so sin is how he works, trying to lead us into sin. But notice again what we talked about earlier. When we're suffering with sickness, with illness, with injuries, with handicaps, maybe not just in our own physical bodies, but people we love, people we, we live with, people we try to, to care for, people we care about, and we see them suffering in all kinds of ways, the devil is very skillful again to use illnesses and infirmities and hardships as avenues of temptation to weaken us, to weaken our faith and lead us into sin and thereby to eternal destruction. We think about Job. Just read the book of Job from beginning to end and see how the devil worked on Job, especially look, read the first two chapters he used physical hardships and also relational hardships on Job to try to get Job to curse God and die. But Job stayed strong in the Lord. Now, did he have some, some weak points through those 40-some chapters? Yes. But he, he refused continually to curse God, to turn away from God. He stayed steadfast in his faith in God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, look at how Paul described a physical problem that he had to deal with. We probably would think of it as either a physical handicap or, or maybe an illness of some kind that he, he may have continually had to deal with. Some have suggested that perhaps he had, had, had contracted malaria somewhere along the way on his missionary journeys. Some have suggested that he might have had a vision problem. In one, one of his letters, he says, you see with what large letters I have signed my name. Now, those are just speculations, though. We don't know because he doesn't tell us what it was. He simply refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. So he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, if you read the context further, 
Paul says, but the Lord said, no, not going not to take that from you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I'm going to show you, and I'm going to show other people around you that I can work through you in mighty, powerful ways in spite of your thorn in the flesh. Don't you wish Paul would have told us what it was? But we don't need to know that. But he does say, it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. I remember driving home one night. And at that particular time, I was still in college great many years ago. And I was driving 65 miles way out into the country to preach for a small congregation. And then I drive back that, that evening. Now, I remember I had a religious program on the air and they were talking about Job and, and how Job was being worked over by God. And, and it was talked about getting stronger, facing temptations with faith, steadfast faith in God and how ultimately that gets us stronger because our faith has been tested, but we've stayed firm. We've stayed strong in the Lord, and our faith becomes stronger in the end than it was to begin with. And it hit me. I thought, maybe some of what I'm going through right now, and I'm not going to get into that, maybe God is toughening me up through those challenges for something down the road that I don't even know yet. It got through to me in a way that I hadn't thought of before. And let me tell you, I needed to be toughened up then because some other things were coming down the road that I needed to be strong to be able to face faithfully. Well, Paul says that was a thorn in the flesh. But if you, if you look in the rest of that context, he doesn't get angry with God because he said, no, I'm not going to remove it from you. I'm going to use you just as you are in that particular state. I'm going to use you in your condition. Now he says, therefore I rejoice. I rejoice. I want to read a particular psalm. A number of years ago, after my wife, my first wife died, I would quote this particular psalm almost every night for a long time because it helped me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think it's unfortunate that we kind of relegate the reading of that psalm to funerals. David, as he wrote that, he was not facing death. It doesn't sound like, as he says, surely... Goodness shall follow, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Going back to that one particular statement there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Every day we are alive in this world, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But think about the encouragement that David gives us there. And of course, it's God's word. 
how we can face the rigors of life, we can face all of those challenges, we can face all of those difficulties, knowing that as long as we're walking with God, he's got us. He's got us. And he's going to see us through. Praise God. God will never leave us as long as we don't leave him. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning with verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, James writes, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God is with us. God will take care of us. God will watch over us. Even in the face of those temptations that the devil throws at us from whatever direction he throws them. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What a promise. I can be strong in the Lord in the face of whatever the devil throws at me. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. God is watching over me. As long as I'm walking with him, he's watching over me and he's got me. He's going to take care of me. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, the Hebrews writer says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, our confession of faith. I believe in God. I know that Jesus, the Son of God, or God the Son, is my Lord and Savior. I know he died on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of my sins so that I could be forgiven through him, redeemed, saved, look forward to eternal life. I know that. I can hold fast to my confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes we think somebody tells us something, they say, you know, just buck up, just move on. Just get better. Just deal with it. And we think, you don't know what I'm going through. Everything seems to be hunky-dory for you. You don't know what I'm going through. Whether that is correct or incorrect in our thinking, what the Hebrews writer tells us here, and again, this is God's word, is understand when you pray to God through Jesus, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through because he was in all points tempted as you are. He understands. He has empathy. And you can go to God in prayer confident that he knows that. In Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 31, the apostle Paul wrote, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all, 
how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody can do that against our will. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, whatever might be in my future, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What assurance, what confidence, what promise God is giving to us and God cannot lie because his nature is absolutely opposite of lying. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, for this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, God, Christ, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day, until he comes again, until that final day of judgment, until the day that he ushers me through those pearly gates onto the streets of heaven. I know he's able to take care of me. He's able to take care of my soul. What confidence again, what confidence. God is great, he is powerful to see us through all of our needs and then some. First John chapter four, verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, speaking to faithful Christians. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then again, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And let me add this. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may not recognize need for in our life at this particular moment in time. Whatever that moment might be. God knows and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above even what we might need in those circumstances according to the power that works in us. Don't try to face your challenges on your own. Trust in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 3 beginning with verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out just by yourself. Do your best to reason things out on, on your own, but then always ask God for his wisdom and guidance. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. First Peter chapter five, beginning with verse seven, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you and God cares about you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How do I deal with that? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, you're not going through something unique that nobody else has ever faced. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. 
Those should be words and encouragements of peace for us, of peace. Paul says, whatever we might be having to deal with, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which also you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Lay hold on eternal life. I can face every day with confidence and so can you if you're walking with the Lord because he is our strength. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And maybe let's add one word there. Of whom shall I be afraid then? If the Lord is the strength of my life. Psalm 62 in verse 7. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalm 118 and verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Isaiah 12 and verse 2, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and song he also has become my salvation. And then 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Is the Lord truly the strength of your life? Now, we might respond in just almost a knee-jerk reaction and say, yeah, he's the strength of my life. Is he really? Have you really lived in a way that he is your strength? You lean upon him all the time. How can I be strong in the Lord? One basic way is I need to get in his word, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I need to study to show myself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, I need to recognize that when I'm reading scripture, I'm reading God's very word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. That the man of God, I want to be a man of God or a woman of God, that I can be thoroughly equipped for every good work through God's word and prayer to him for his strength and guidance and wisdom. God has said, I'll be there with you and for you. What we're doing here this morning, worshiping God, being together as his body, as his family, that's a way that I can be strong in the Lord. Being focused, as we've talked about through these various verses of scripture. God is my strength. God is my power. God is my director, my guide. And if we stay in that mindset, then I can be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. If you need to change your life this morning, please take whatever step is proper.
If you need to study some more, just ask us, we'll study with you, or we'll make the way for you to study if that's what you want to do on your own. If you need to repent of your sins and confess your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, we encourage you to take that step. If you need the prayers of the church, please step forward, let us know, or talk with us privately. But don't let the devil hoodwink you any longer into thinking you can't do it. Be strong in the Lord, and he will see you through as we stand and sing.